You're listening to the Indie Echo Podcast, a showcase of independent music and the artists that make it. I'm Jordan, producer at High Five Music. Today's featured artist is an indie folk and lo-fi pop singer-songwriter from New Jersey. His latest releases are the single, Passport, and the EP, Suddenly I Demand Repair. Here's Ross Newhouse. Thanks for being here, man. I've been listening to your well, your EP and your new single over the weekend, and uh, it just has a very pleasant, clean sound. Thank you. So, how did you do it? I started off with uh, with answers. That was the first song I ever recorded. I formerly played in a band, and I had a bunch of songs that I had been writing that I wanted to just explore releasing as a solo artist. So, answers I recorded pretty much in my basement. I was living in Bushwick in Brooklyn at the time and recorded the guitar and tracked the vocals. And I went with a producer friend who I had named Jake Fine, um, who's an awesome lo-fi producer. He's a crazy guitar player. Um, And I went over to his place about two, three sessions. And we did that first song. uh, And I was really into kind of like the ambient folk thing that was going on with that, the really like ethereal, melty storytelling vibe. And it was really working for the songs that I was writing. So around that time, I wrote Funniest Thing and I wrote uh, Dagger Earrings as well. Um, And then that summer, I started to do a song of the week challenge, like complete a song each week. And the first song of the week was Bluebird. And the second one was Girl on Great Jones, which is um, the album, which is the EP. So uh, it was really just like the first songs that I was writing found their way onto this EP. And um, that's why there's a little bit of like variance in the I think sonic textures going on a a couple of the tracks are way more like singer songwriter straightforward folk and a few of them have this kind of like ambient electronic influence too um and that's just me kind of exploring the different sounds and influences that i was really into and still am really into so uh in january i went down to nashville so be about a year after i wrote funniest thing and everything um I put out Answers in August, Bluebird in September, and I recorded Funniest Thing in October. And then I did Girl on Great Jones and Dagger Earrings down in these sessions in Nashville with a producer who I adore named Kevin Dye, who moved down from Brooklyn um, around the same time. And I just followed him down there because uh, I, I, I wanted a road trip. I wanted to see a new city. So we completed that EP and recorded a few other songs that I recently released and will be out this summer. And that was the first session I did down there. And yeah, they'd all found their way onto this this first offering. He's a really amazing mixing engineer. So he made my basement recordings through the same sure mic sound really, really crisp and clean. And I think that's the beauty of home recording, but I'm happy you enjoyed it. And I think there's a few tracks on that that are indicative of the sound that I'm gonna be moving forward with. So it was a, it was a cool first offering for the world. Wish I had one. I wish I had the answers to you. Just smile and say it's alright, dear. 
none of us do Oh, none of us do The, the concept of like the bedroom recording, the lines are so blurred now. I agree completely. And we did this all through the Sure mic and we even did shootouts with other microphones and it was just the perfect one for both my voice and not having this really, really bright, perfect sounding guitar because everything has a little bit of a DIY sound in it. Um, even though the recordings at their ending sound really great, it's, it's kind of like a compilation of a bunch of staticky white noise vinyl tape tape hiss and all that kind of cool stuff going on and that was something we didn't want to get rid of you know there's a me sitting down in the chair in the beginning of bluebird and chris mccarthy the piano player on funniest thing has like you know his foot pedals loud and things like that and you could polish that all out or you could make it sound like it was recorded live in a room and um i think we chose the latter because it makes you feel a little bit more warm and organic sounding Modest Mouse was like my first like band. That was the first one where I was like, oh my God, I, I love this band so much. And I had a babysitter in like the third and fourth grade who played that record. So uh, good news for people who love bad news. And that was what Float On was on and Ocean Breeze Salty. And then I just dug back into their discography. Um, and I really just love the rawness and the storytelling and Isaac Brock's voice is crazy. How he's just kind of screaming and yelling and really love the imperfection of it. Um, and then along those same lines, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. And if you look at the album art for my first EP and the singles, they're all based off Bob Dylan records. Um, so he's kind of paramount in the imperfections as perfection. His early recordings have hiccups and there's like, you know, tons of room noise and, you know, things aren't mixed perfectly, but the songs are all there. So I kind of had it in my mind that if I was writing really, really great songs that they translate no matter what the recording situation, whether it be a voice note or professionally recorded. So yeah, Modest Mouse, Dylan, I got really into like kind of the post-rock, post-hardcore of like Circus Survive and um, La Dispute. And I think when I look back, the lyrics and the depth of the lyrics, whether it's a story or whether it's a little bit more esoteric is really at the center of all of those things. Even the rap I was listening to, I thought I was like super heady listening to like Aesop Rock and a bunch of these Midwest guys like Atmosphere that were just like deep lyric writers. And I think it's now a reflection of where I'm coming from as an artist and as a lyricist, always trying to paint that lyric as the as the center point in my music. You mentioned um, you wanted to make sure your songs translate anywhere. And I definitely feel that listening to your music, like I can simultaneously hear it at a festival and, and everybody's singing along, or I can hear it like in your backyard with a few friends, you know? Yeah. It all makes sense together, yeah. That's great to hear because I did a songwriting show that I'm intending on bringing back, but I like to ask guests um, where they most wanted their music to be played or where they felt most comfortable. And mine was always like in a living room for a few people. And now that I'm working with an awesome producer and I do love electronic production, you know, we're adding pianos and huge harmonies and stuff like that. But it all starts with me in a room with an acoustic guitar, which is kind of where I think every good song can start from. Like if you're just you and piano and you and guitar without any frills and the song works at that level, then kind of wherever you take it, or if you leave it bare, it's gonna be the song that you want to have come across to the listener. Um, so it was really important to me to both produce up some songs that needed it and also have a lot of restraint 
and say, hey, we could do huge drums and massive harmonies and stuff on this, or it can just be me and the guitar and it might work fine too, um, which is scary, but you know, it's a, uh, it's a cool thing to kind of consider going into each song. Suddenly it's me who's in writing at a young age as well? Because you mentioned you had like some kind of break in songwriting and then you came back. Absolutely, yeah. I was definitely writing songs in high school. I was writing some songs in college very sporadically. I went to school in Columbia, South Carolina and they didn't have a big art scene. I wasn't really in the arts at the time. I kind of got an ushered into the state school vibe and big football stuff. I think because like by transitive property, I thought because the guitar was in my room, I was a musician and I was getting better at my instrument and getting better at songwriting. And then when I moved to New York, I met a group of some of the most talented musicians in the world still to this day that are just doing incredible things. And it kind of was like the splash in the face that I needed where I was like, oh, New York's always been in my backyard, but people are coming here from across the world to make it in the music industry. You don't get a free pass just because you're close proximity to being here and you've always been here your whole life. Like there are way better cats than you. So I played in a band. It was electronic bands and I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted my songwriting to convey. I was kind of just going for cool lines and vibe and stuff like that. And then I actually, I did an, an Ask Me Anything with Adam Melcher, who's from New Jersey, because he was writing some of my favorite lyrics. And I was like, how are you writing these stories? And he told me to just be clever and write stories from your heart. And, you know, the cleverness and the, and the wittiness will come across. And pretty much after that, I wrote Funniest Thing, which I still think is one of my best lyrical songs. And, you know, Bluebird and Girl on Great Jones and Passport, and all these songs are kind of after that. So that was a real like shift in where I wanted my songwriting to be. And that was only in the last two years. So it's taken a long time of playing in different bands and trying different sounds and getting my voice to where I wanted to be to arrive at this spot. But now I'm kind of I'm feeling confident where I am, never comfortable, but confident and um, and always just trying to learn based on lyric writing and clever lyrics and storytelling and all that good stuff. We got into it one night, big fight, don't remember the reason, but I had ran out of words to say, you walked away. So was it last year that you finally started putting out proper releases? Yeah, so August of 2020 was my first release. I just put out the EP with my band. The band was called Little Distractions. It took us quite a long time to finish it up. And it was very a, a very quick process of doing my own music. I think mostly because like the harmonics and, and the harmonic structure and the song structure was so concrete because I'd written it on acoustic guitar that Jake and I, um, producer for Answers, you know, came to conclusions about the sound really quickly. And 
put it out and it got great responses for a bunch of awesome indie curators, um, Indie Folk Central and Mr. Fox Frequency and all these really cool indie curators on YouTube picked it up and got a bunch of streams that I, you know, wasn't really used to. And I wanted to keep that feeling going. So I put out Bluebird the next month. I produced that one all myself, which was also a really, really cool feeling. Kevin, my mixing engineer, added some really, really sparse different elements that moved the song along and put that out in September. Uh, and then I had finished Funniest Thing, but I was wanted to stop kind of releasing music as I had it in my hand and wanted to put something together where I had like music videos and something behind the tunes a little bit more. So I went down to Nashville, as I mentioned, and then started putting together some videos and, and some content and figure out what the hell I was doing. And then in May, I released the EP and a couple music videos. And now I'm just trying to keep that momentum going. Funniest thing, I didn't really know what to do with production wise and i sent it off to chris mccarthy and his girlfriend kayla williams who's an incredible viola player and they just made it this gorgeous singer songwriter track and i thought it fit really well and then girl on great jones i was down in nashville and we just heard it as this kind of like dylan folk rock song because it was very new york it was very you know 60s 70s feeling um definitely hear that yeah you know harmonica and all uh and then dagger earrings i had produced some of myself and was just feeling these kind of answer style electronic drums and atmosphere and sampled piano um and all this heady stuff and when i put the album together i didn't really care that it kind of touched on all these different things because i felt that it was going to be good for both me as the artist and the listener to see what people were drawn to and what i was kind of feeling was working for the music so I don't know that I'll put out another song like Girl on Great Jones, like sounding that traditionally folk. You know, I would definitely do some more stripped down tracks and have some stripped down tracks on the forthcoming album. I think that kind of Bluebird answers dagger earrings, ethereal, atmospheric, falling asleep, floating on a cloud type thing is what I really want to go after. And it is really a culmination of the band that I played in previously's vibe was very similar. The music that I listen to now is all very calming um, for the most part. And I think it's working well as a backdrop for the stories that I'm trying to tell and my voice as well. Dagger Earrings is my favorite. I'm happy to hear that. That's my favorite too. It, it does <laughs> yeah. several things that, that just get me every time and, and whenever I hear it in songs, it's like the repeated, simplistic, melodic refrain that comes back over and over again. So there's that. Mm -hmm. It's an evolving track, so it starts small and builds and builds and builds. The drums don't even hit until halfway and the, the bass even later than that. You have to be patient with it. Yeah. Which which I appreciate. It's, it's the tough part of my music. And I think a lot of these new songs are also very like second half heavy too, which my producer is like a, a post-rock guy. So his, oh, okay. his original songs are in like the, you know, six minutes, seven minutes. Some of them are like droning. So like <laughs> if, if we're going for like pop sensibility, some of these tracks, it might not really be there, but that's okay. Cause I, you know, I might shift that a little bit in future writings and try to, you know, bring more listeners in and, and bring, you know, more of the modern impatient listener in. But I also don't want to like dumb down people. Like everyone's just like, you got to get to hook fast. You got to, you, the thing's got to be in the first three seconds or everyone's going to like, you know, lose interest. And I don't think people want to be spoken to like that either as a listener. I think we deserve a little bit more credit that some of my favorite things happen like 90% through a song. Even Bluebird, like the drums come in, I think in the last 
10, 15 seconds of the song, um, which is just an odd move, but it just felt really perfect at the time. So if you, you know, you're patient and you like the song, you'll get to that point. And um, yeah, there's a song called Taurus Trap on the new album that the last like minute and a half of four and a half minutes is just incredible, but you got to kind of just settle in. I think that's what the music is meant for kind of putting your headphones on and sitting back and, and listening to a full thing. But yeah, Dagger was cool. And Dagger was the first thing I produced with Kevin down in Nashville. So we crushed that in like a day or two. And I was like, this is gonna be an awesome week because this is working out really well. Even when I produce more poppy stuff, I, I like to start small and build, like not having each chorus be exactly the same and adding a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, just to keep that little flow so that when you get to the end, you want to restart it. You want to go on that journey again. Absolutely. So you kind of dabbled in the electronic realm with the Pool Cosby remix. How did that come about? So they were good friends of my band and, and myself from the band days. We actually linked with them in a studio and produced a song from Little Distractions with them. And they just remain really great friends because they're just three of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Um, they've all three put out solo records and then they make these awesome Pool Cosby albums. And I've been a genuine fan for so, so long. So one of the things I wanted to do is, you know, take my voice and because I knew my voice worked over beats and had sang over beats and loved this kind of lush electronics vibes too, to see who would want to flip it and do a remix. Um, they're, one of their biggest songs was an Adrian Lenker remix from Big Thief, which is just not what you'd expect over like a sample and a hip hop thing, but it works beautifully. And uh, Kevin Kuh, the violinist, you know, is an incredible violinist and there's just a really unique vibe. So I sent it to him. I sent it to Joe and, you know, he was like, look, we'll take a look at it and we'll kind of see what happens. And I didn't hear from them for a few months and really didn't expect anything. And then one day, man, I think it was in like November, it just hit my inbox. And they were like, hey, like, let me know what you think of this. And I put it through my speakers and I, you know, was kind of blown away that a band I had really looked up to as kind of like, you know, older brothers in the music scene in New York were, uh, were into flipping this song and, you know, using my voice on a, on a Pool Cosby album or a Pool Cosby record, I should say. So, um, yeah, I didn't make any changes to it. Kevin mixed it and... We, we put it out and we did a really fun video for it too, um, which was just us, you know, doing city stuff and freezing our asses off in the middle of February, trying to be outside and COVID safe. But yeah, man, that was, that was a really cool accomplishment for my musical journey was to have that kind of seal of approval from a band I really, really look up to and a genre I really still miss and love being a part of. Window on the 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 window on the
So it was um, Passport. Is that from the new album or is that separate? All things are pointing to it being part of a three song EP. And also, I just want to put the song out in the summer. I was down doing sessions in Nashville and I really didn't get around to putting a marketing thing together or, you know, a pre-save plan or any of the things that you're supposed to do these days. And I said, I just wanted it out in July, um, which, you know, might not have been the best business decision, but I put it out and I love the song and people are super receptive towards it. I think I'll release one more single off of this three song EP and then put out the EP probably in, in September or October. Um, I'm trying to have some some support around it, whether that's distribution or an indie label, but um, we'll see. I see both sides of that release angle where it's like either you do single after single to like keep things consistent and people interested over time, or you have like a body of work that, you know, tells a story, but you're kind of doing both, which is probably the ideal. Yeah, I uh, I write so much um, and so often that I want to be releasing consistently. And I do a lot of co-writes and I'm really doing something I love now, which is writing for other artists and their genres. Um, done some really, really awesome co-writes um, for artists and, and not like collaborations as well as amazing collaborations. So I don't think I always want to wait to see if I have this like cool marketing idea at the same time. Um, I've seen some amazing ones in the last few months that I'm like, damn, if I had like done this, maybe I would have gotten 200 pre-saves instead of like, you know, 20. And I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to open myself up and be more receptive to like the modern music releasing schedules and you got to play the algorithm and this and that. But sometimes I just think I'm going to just want to put a song out and do a few posts on Instagram before and message my email list and hope release radar likes it and you know see where it goes from there um i think writing songs and producing music is hard enough without also having to be a music video director or put out videos or find a videographer within your budget to do something on a budget um i don't have a manager or you know tour manager or any sort of help so um i'm doing all this kind of like either shooting it on my iphone or finding someone that will take a discount to work on a project that they love but the world moves fast so by the time i got to passports release i was finishing up the album in the studio and i was like oh shit, it's coming out on tuesday uh and i dragged my sister to this airport near me and i was like take a video of me near like the plane taking off and we did that and it looked really cool but it was definitely like if you were on instagram which the algorithm on instagram also sucks so like, you know, 10% of my audience saw it and it was just like, hey, I have a song coming out and it's tomorrow. And then like <laughs> songs here, I'll listen to it. So it was very, very hectic. Um, definitely not like the best plan, but at the same time, there's a small shred of me that's hoping that the music being good will still find the proper ears, whether that's naive in 2021 or not, but I'm happy it's out. And uh, I'm just gonna try to keep pushing forward with, with good music and, and try to put a little bit more love behind the releases too. about co-writes and stuff uh is there any particular ones you want to shout out yeah um so i have one with lucy clearwater that i'm actually going to la in a few weeks to record we wrote it last year when i was in la i did this this trip to oregon 
I kind of lost my marbles in New York City and I did this trip to Oregon and then I went to LA and I met Lucy and we wrote two incredible songs together. So I have that one with her. Um, I have one with Haley Reardon that I really love that I think we're going to do some tinkering with. Olivia Klugman and I wrote an incredible song that I love called CVS Song where it's about senior ex in a CVS and just being like an absolute mess. Um, that all rhymed, but those aren't the lyrics. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just comes naturally. I was just like, wow, that could be good. Um, and then I've been doing writes with um, an artist named Emily Deal, who if you want to talk about like getting creative with marketing and doing that side of things incredibly, um, she's someone I look up to uh, as a as a branding person, as an all around just artist. She's an incredible dancer. She's got these ridiculously funny and unique song ideas. So me as like a really deep lyricist, I think I get to help her bring out the the like deeper lyric side and I'm really looking forward to partnering with her and seeing where she takes just like the music videos and the creativity. She has all these different characters that she plays that she's invented. She's made a children's book style book of her different characters. And she recently did a music video where they all intertwine. Um, she did a whole music video in reverse that she choreographed. So it's just like getting to be a part of really cool artists ecosystems as a, as a lyricist is something I'm really trying to break into. And I think, um, I think when these songs with Emily hit the world, people are going to be like really into like the package of me as a lyricist and, and just an incredible artist like, like Emily and where she can take these things. I digitally network well, I like to think. And also um, you got to just kind of know what you bring to the table and, and what this artist is about. Cause I think if they're already writing like the best lyrics ever in a genre that you don't write really, you're not going to bring much to the table for them. But if you're both folk artists or if like one's a pop artist and you want to write a little bit more pop, it it's a great opportunity. And, um, you know, not being afraid to, to fail in these situations and give it a different shot in a further session along the line. As I, you know, get these co-writes under my belt and some of these go into production and go into mix and get released, it'll be a little bit easier to put a portfolio together. Um, it's a little bit difficult right now. Um, you know, Emily had to really trust me and I had to go in being like, she might just not like this song. Um, and you got to go into co-writes with these other amazing women I've written with and say that like, hey, we might not come out of this two hour session with something we both love, but let's do our absolute best. And I think if you have, if you're, if you're, true to yourself as an artist you'll know what to look for in a co-write and in a in a ghost writing session and stuff like that so i i hope to not be led down you know too many roads of things that i can't provide value for artists i can't provide value for but um it's been fun so far and you know you make some friends too along the way within the first hour of a co-write you're never going to do anything that is like the thing like you're going to feel especially i should specify like in a new co-write when you're meeting like a new artist because you got to get a feel for each other you got to like you know set the room see what the song should be about you're probably going to go through a couple lyric ideas that i may have that the other artists didn't like you know olivia klugman in, in my session started with wanting to write about or finish a second verse for one of her stories and i kept trying to write different things i didn't know the story i wasn't there so i was kind of writing these lyrics that were like witty and clever and whatever but she was just like yeah but that actually like didn't happen like that it's not true the story so we were both like yeah i think this is your story and also you're an incredible lyricist so i think you got this one and then i was like but i have this idea of like seeing your ex-girlfriend in a cbs and then she loved that and i love that and she came up with some incredible lines and i filled in 
different lines and we came to the conclusion of this like really hilarious tongue-in-cheek song so it's all about you know being malleable and also just putting the song first there's so many times that i have a really dope line that is just not the right line um and the other artist might have something that might not be as like crazy clever or songwritery or has a metaphor or you know some songwriting device that you know will be sought after but like it's just a better line point blank and i think that um both songwriters and producers need to just know when the better idea wins not just because it's your idea what would you say is the most difficult part of whether it's putting together your ep or just the modern music business in general the modern music business for me is a lot of like the word algorithm. So whether it's I release Passport and for some reason it doesn't drop into release radar because I didn't do my pre-save campaign because I didn't do my TikToks because I didn't do my five Instagram posts. It's all just like because I didn't post at seven o'clock at night. Like there's a lot of art that I'm creating and that other people are creating that's being overlooked just because of the way that these platforms are being set up. So if my face isn't in it, if I'm not selling something, if I'm not using the marketplace enough, if I'm not posting at 7 p.m. at night on a Wednesday, maybe this video that I tried really, really hard on isn't being seen. And it's super annoying. And I think that's why there's a there's a pushback with like email lists and ways to just get in, in Patreon pages and stuff like that, where you can just get directly in contact with your fans. Because I think a lot of artists are super sick of needing to boost posts or needing to figure out the exact right time and then watching someone doing the exact same thing blow up on TikTok and you are still getting 100, 200 views and just like don't know why. Um, there's like a lot of luck. So that's that's kind of where I've been recently, I think especially with the live shutdown and I haven't really had my shows come back yet. I have a, a show tomorrow and I have a show at the end of the month, which will be really great to really just connect and see people again. And that's why I really loved Clubhouse for the last few months too, was it because I could just play my full songs and I didn't have to worry about it being 59 seconds. A song like Funniest Thing takes the entire first stanza to get to the best lyric in the, in the crux of the song. So I never wrote in those kind of ways that the first line of the song, everyone's gonna be like, whoa, like I'm hooked. Like say something shocking, say something so socially relevant say you know something so raw and certain people are really good at it and i'm trying to get better at it because i think it's a great songwriting device but this instant capture kind of thing doesn't really work for a lot of songwriters another really challenging thing is everyone has like the next best thing whether it's like oh no you, you don't do pr these days you run facebook ads and someone else is like no facebook ads are useless you need to be in pr for your seo and then the other person's like you don't have to do any of that shit you just have to post on tiktok every single day and build a brand on tiktok it's like okay well what <laughs> which one is it it's information overload i think is the best way to distill that all into one sentence i think it's some days i just want to close everything go into my backyard with my acoustic guitar and just play a song and not record it for an internet thing and just like have it live in my heart for a little while. And it's hard when you have to do it all yourself. Like if you could just hand it all off to your marketing team, whatever, that's one thing. But for things like TikTok where it's so personal, where like they want to see you, it's definitely more difficult. Yeah, and I'm definitely in the market for management at one point. Like hopefully within the year, I'll find somebody or a team because I think there's a lot of things that I'm missing just in doing this day to day and not knowing what I'm doing. So I, I don't encourage or condone doing it all yourself. I think collaboration 
though, is definitely really helpful. And I've done a lot of that, obviously, with my co-writing and ghostwriting and things like that. So you're, you're a few years in, I guess, properly, but what would you say is your career highlight so far, if there is one? The Pool Cosby remix is awesome. The funniest thing music video was so cool. I don't know if you had had a chance to see that, but it's a hand-drawn rotoscope animation done by this animator in LA named Amy Smike. She's also a choreographer and incredible dancer. I think it was the first time she had done two two movements at once. So there's two main characters in the music video. Music video is three minutes long. I'm in it, hand-drawn. Um, you know, there's cars, the door slamming, there's rain, there's an apartment complex. So it was no easy feat. And we had to do a ton of reference footage. So I took my girlfriend out on our like second date and had her fake argue with me. She's an actor, so she liked it and got that animation. Then Amy made it really beautiful and and more into like dance and movement. And it took like five months of work and now it's out in the world. And that was absolutely a career highlight to have someone believe in the music and put something together that even though it isn't going viral or you know hundreds of thousands of people aren't seeing it right now as i grow as an artist and as i grow as a human being that piece of art will always be there with me so huge shout out to amy and then um my music video for dagger earrings because i shot it all myself on my iphone so that was a really cool moment for me to be like just do it yourself too like just go out in a nor'eastern with your phone and trust your eye and add a really dope editor named gareth k put it together and you know you find your team and you build with them and they trust you and you trust them and we just made some dope art this year so i'm excited for what's next but that was a really cool thing to happen on my first ep to have that kind of music video treatment alongside of those songs yeah a lot of the times at least initially your your team is just the friends around you absolutely and, and all their talents coming into one yeah yeah it's been hard hearing no but it's been great hearing yes um you know, as an indie artist, I've been told you're supposed to hear no like once a week. And I am trying to take it not personally when people don't want to write, when people don't want to spin my songs, when people aren't interested in distribution because I'm not streaming well enough for whatever. But like, you know, when you meet someone like Amy, who I'm going to, you know, eventually meet in person when I'm out in LA, hopefully, and have a collaborator. And now Amy worked with Lucy, who I wrote with um, for her Spotify canvas. And you're just kind of building this little network of people that are all collaborating and making dope shit together I love that yeah it's really cool and it's a really cool thing to see and just be a part of and i think after all the algorithms and the likes and all that stuff that human connection of someone saw my art looked up the artists wanted to make art with that person they made art they connected hopefully it's just like a butterfly effect and amy never stops working with cool artists and i get to say i know her when i've even had some of that with this show i mean it's only been going on for Three months now some of the people i've had on the show have done like live stream shows with each other and, and things like that so it's like oh hey you guys connected that's cool <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's the coolest feel, feeling and i love being a connector of folks like i love saying oh you need this person i think i know a dope that person and having them hit it off so i think that's one of the really special things and then having conversation with you right now um you know, it's kind of recentering why I love to do this. And that little moment of my friends are making dope shit because they saw the dope shit that we made is one of the coolest parts of being an artist at any level. I usually end with, you know, what's next, but you kind of answered that album is next. Album's next, yeah. 10 songs, really cool production that really reflects the lyrics and puts you in the space that the story is 
is being told in and I'm super proud of it. I've produced it all with Kevin, uh, Kevin Dye. He's super proud of it. He's going to mix it and we'll see where it takes me. But it was a hell of a lot of fun making the album. It's great writing these songs and I'm just going to keep writing and I got to co-write tonight. I got to co-write next week and I'm just, you know, making friends and making music. So full steam ahead. I like that. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, why not? Right. <laughs> why not? following on all those the apps and the spotify's and stuff but also uh keep listening to this podcast this is dope thank you for having me jordan super appreciate your time oh yeah thanks for being here man links to ross's music and everything else can be found in the show notes indie echo is a product of high five music a digital production studio that brings your bedroom demos to life if you want your music produced mixed or remixed visit the link on my instagram at high five music and you can follow the show at Indie Echo Podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.